Welcome to the Language for Leading podcast with the founder and CEO of the Business of Leading Incorporated, Julian Sturton. Since the early 1990s, Julian has equipped leaders from across the globe with an operating system and real-world set of tools that have improved relationships on all levels, and the work has meant real success in business and life for so many. Hello, I'm Jordan Rich, and Julian and I are pleased to welcome another thought leader. She's Lori, sometimes affectionately known as Lore, a professional networker with a sales and PR background. She's hosted national syndicated consumer advocacy and variety shows in an effort to help people, and she loves teaching. Her moral constitution is the golden rule. Pay it forward, trust, honesty, integrity, and respect. Lori is also involved in animal rescue, and the topic she wants to talk about is how to survive another day. Julian? For survival, which is what you've written down, or in the light of how I survived another day, but survival may be a, a, a bigger contextual global frame of reference, even though, as you quite well know, and we all know, we all have to survive on our own behalf before we can even enter into a dialogue based upon the survival of the human race. But the two go hand in hand. How is the term how I survived another day going for you? Uh, well, it's going much better since I met you. Uh, it, it's, what, you sorry? It, it's going much better since I met you. Yeah, yeah, because you're first off, you're fascinating. Uh, and I don't see a lot of people that I feel think in the same way. So I think the reason that you and I clicked was you you are teaching or explaining things in terms that I've thought about, but never really understood. And I think you clarified a lot of those things, in particular, background conversations that change the way that I think. And, and as we go through the progress, you know, through the process are still changing. Um, but those background conversations are the evil thing in my life that, you know, most people just can't, I think, can't get rid of it, especially when you try to go to sleep at night. And what, what are you thinking about? You're thinking about you know, all the most people are thinking about all the bad things that happened or all the problems that they have and how can they solve those things. And so it's difficult to sleep because you can't solve a lot of those problems. So I think that you have helped me personally figure out certain things that have allowed me to progress. And I know that we're probably still more towards, you know, the beginning or middle of the process. It's funny, sometimes uh, something will happen during the day and I'll go, Oh, wait a minute. But Julian would tell me, you know, so I, I hear your voice in the background going, wait a minute. Julian would tell me, no, 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 or yes, 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 or whatever the response is. So I kind of subconsciously um, um, hear you in, in my mind. That could be the good, the bad, and the ugly, couldn't it? <laughs> yeah. I, I was going to say that's, that's a background conversation with an English accent that I would enjoy hearing. <laughs> yes. Yeah, the accent makes it especially Let special. Let, let me jump in here for a second, and uh, only because I'm very excited about having you here. And we were chatting a little bit before you came on about the trees in your backyard and the <laughs> fact that there may be a thump here and there. You said it with such joy and a frivolity, and I laughed. I said, oh, if a tree falls, would anyone hear it? <laughs> that old joke. But uh, I know this sounds silly, but it just, it was nice. It was very refreshing. And I answered you in a very refreshing way. Who cares? Who cares if the tree falls? We'll take it out in the, in the mix. I wanted to ask you, and I know Julian will follow up on this, uh, Laurie, about the, 
the word survival and how the background conversation can threaten your, if not physical survival, your emotional survival? Well, for me, it did threaten my physical survival. Um, I had some traumatic things that were ongoing for a number of years that caused a lot of health issues. And while all of the people who had COVID who were sick in 2020, uh, you know, they were in the hospitals for, for COVID, I had other medical issues that caused me to go in and out and ultimately have some surgery and come out worse than when I went in. Yes, well, caused a lot of complications for me. Um, so I was really sick for a long time. Here's the bad part of what I did. I couldn't get any doctors to figure out what was wrong. Um, I reached out through what I call the Facebook underground of people who have rare disorders. And I was able to accumulate a lot of knowledge on my own by spending probably 2,500 hours over a two-year period, you know, reading to try to figure out what's wrong with me. But And the negative part of that is when you're doing that through Facebook, these different groups that you're in, these different medical groups, they're scrolling through your newsfeed. So if I'm in 15 groups, like every other thing I'm reading is a medical issue related to something I have. This is actually before I met Julian. I, I thought, wait a minute, I can still stay in the group. I can, un I, can, I can unfollow it, but I can still access it. I need to put happy things because otherwise all I'm thinking about are all these bad medical things. And so for me, that was that was like my first big change. But trying to ultimately, I did find a number of doctors that were able to help me. But the problem there is I'm still focused on medical issues, which are treated with, you know, um, with medications. And I have a lot of allergies, including medications. So I don't really get anywhere. I understand the issues that I have, but I kind of got stuck and I had to change my mind frame there to, okay, consciously I had to focus on keeping very busy. I'm a high type A, the busier I am, the less I focus on my medical issues. But then at night when I'm trying to go to sleep, what do you think happens? I've got those background conversations coming back through my head. So my, my conscious being during the day is just pretend you're normal. And that did help a lot. But then at night I would go into background conversation mode and it would overtake me to the point where I, I couldn't sleep at all. I'd be so worried about it. So that's kind of my, my background history. Um, and like you, I kind of met Julian by accident through LinkedIn. And uh, the first time I spoke to him, I went, oh, my God, this guy knows. He just he he thinks the same way. But I have not been able to verbalize it or come out to to really understand what my subconscious was trying to tell me. So my conscious and my subconscious brain are are tackling each other. And that is a big issue for me. So through Julian, I'm, I'm kind of, I've learned that those background conversations, as he would say, it's a racket. It's a racket. And what it's made me also realize is that other people have the same issues, but they have no idea of what's going on. And therefore they float through life and they don't really see what it is that they're doing. Whereas Julian is able to concisely explain what's going on it's as if the consciousness that we talked about quite a lot both jordan and with you the consciousness is only conscious when the being in other words that which represents who we really are is organized so you've got those two 
distinctions yeah. we've been talking about consciousness and organized and the term organized when we're being consciousness makes sense doesn't it it does sense doesn't just show up on its own it's not like an apple falling out of a tree you have to make sense right the manufacturing business the emotional manufacturing business you know make sense if things don't make sense then your background conversation really gets on its high horse whether it's allergies sickness or sleepless nights or whatever is the the conditions that are not in agreement with the real lower is that correct that, that's correct and if i can back up just a little bit the first one of the first things if not i think the very first thing we did you asked me to define my my constitution basically my moral constitution of who i am and and you'll remember i said um you know the golden rule pay it forward help others trust honesty respect and integrity and that is how I have tried to live my life. That's what I was taught as a child. Um, it's what I think is, is it should be innate within everyone, but it's not. Um, can you be taught some of those things? Probably. But that's just, that's, those are my moral views. And so um, if you want, Julian, I can share the story that I, I told about the, the two doctors. Yeah. You want me to share that story? Sure. Okay. Well, this is all part of your particular headline, which is how I survived another day. It doesn't mean just this day. It's as if how I survived another day was going on yesterday, the day before, and yes. right from the moment you were born. Right. So please so when, go on. Yeah. yeah. When you had me do the moral constitution, it got me to thinking that, you know, in discussions with you, that the people that I deal with in my life, really need to have that same type of constitution. They need to be of high moral value. And so I had had um, recently, uh, as you know, I had two doctors, uh, two different scenarios, but to shorten it, uh, they were not accessible by phone. They didn't return phone calls in what I considered emergency situations. I had problems with billing. Uh, one of them had their phone number disconnected. And I am a highly organized person. Uh, I, you know, I keep an appointment book. I call, I call, you know, even to come into this, I am logged on 10 minutes early because I'm a New York Metro girl originally. And I, I'm just trained to be that way. But going back to the doctors, it, it was getting to the point after a few years where I, I don't want to hear excuses. I mean, one doctor, if I did get through, uh, they would say, we only have two people. Well, guess what? That's not my problem. That's, that's your problem. But most of the time, I couldn't reach them, and I get a call center. So that's what, that's a, a hospital down here that does that. And now I don't try to use any of their doctors as a result of this. But it got to the point where you said to me, "Well, wait, if you're if you're a ten in organization, and they're like, a, you know, a two or a zero, or actually probably like a negative ten, what does that tell you?" You said to me, and I said, "That tells me I've got the wrong doctors, and I need to find someone of the same constitution." So I went out and I found two great doctors uh, with whom I discussed, this is who I am. And these are, you know, this is what I expect from you because if I come in and I'm telling you my, my medical issues, uh, a lot of doctors, they just blow you out the door. You know, private doctors that don't work for a college, mine, mine are at a college. That's great. It's a teaching college. So I go in and they'll spend 45 minutes to an hour. But when I was going to these other two doctors, it's kick you in and kick you out. 
you know, charge your charge card out, out the door, no real follow-up, and now I can't get you when I need you. That was a problem. So you basically made me realize that it's not just the doctors. It's how a lot of people are operating in their personal lives. So over the years, like when I was sick a few years ago, I found out who really was my friend and who really was not my friend. People that I helped either financially or in some other way now disappeared because I'm not the all powerful person that they perceived me to be. I was too sick. And so I had to cut about seven friends, including one I had been friends with for over 30 years. Um, so now I kind of evaluate people. I'm a very friendly, outgoing person, but uh, after doing sales, and you know, for many years, I had the opportunity to kind of evaluate people in a short amount of time. But people are not always who they present themselves to be with their public persona. So I'm a lot more cautious now in calling somebody my friend. You know, I'm a lot more cautious in figuring out are is, is their moral constitution similar to mine. Um, you know. I, that's that's how I how I think and what I've learned from you. You know, you know, I have an issue with a, a family member. I won't say which one, but mm. it's a situation where it's it's bad and I can't change another person or how they think or how they grew up or whatever their problems were. I, I understand that. But if I am continually attacked, what does it do? It makes me sick. And then my background conversations start up their racket and I don't sleep at night. So unfortunately for right now, I've kind of backed off from that family member um, until at some point we can rationally discuss things as opposed to this person and my family reacting. Uh, because when I say something, she'll come back and mudsling. And that's not what I'm looking for. I'm trying to explain to you, here are the problems you have that you're causing in my life. And I don't need any more problems. And if you can't live to that higher moral constitution, then it, it's not going to work as a relationship for me. And I have to cut the relationship. And it's not really someone I want to cut off, but I can't make myself crazy uh, when I have other situations to deal with. And so I have to pick and choose my battles, but I don't want them to be. I don't want battles anymore. I want to be able to go through life as a happy person without feeling like I'm an, I told you I feel like I'm an octopus and there's somebody pulling at each leg all the time. And so when I when I write how I survived another day, when I get up, you know, I have a routine. Sometimes in the morning something great will happen and I'll be in a great mood all day. I'll go, "Oh, this went really well." But other times I'll see that something, you know, I got an email and it's like something not good happened and so then it kind of sets my day off the wrong way. And it's hard to go back and say, okay, okay, it's, it's just the racket. It's your background conversations. You got to let it go and, and try to focus on, you know, where you are and moving forward. Let me just frame, if I made loud, pretty much all the things you've said, if I can put it in a concise frame, because you've actually done some great sort of exercising and sort of unpackaging lower and it's it's not that easy to do because people sometimes spend the rest of their lives trying to unpackage everything that's happened previously in their life so let me put it in the packaging 
So we've got the mind and the body. It's a system. And it comes with many conditions. But like medical conditions, we have social conditions, financial conditions, economic conditions, right? And allergies are a distinction of one of those conditions. You know, when I was growing up as a young boy, it's not because there weren't, it was not because there weren't allergies. Given this constitutional frame of reference called Julian's upbringing, I wasn't allowed to have allergies. <laughs> that, uh, that's funny. Okay. And so, you know, my, my, my mum was a pretty tough lady. You know the background of my family, right? Yes. So if I had any sort of subjective symptoms, she used to say, just get up and get dressed and go to school, will you? And it was the long and the short of it. And it boils down to the word agreements. You know, you can't uh, argue with your background conversations, but you also can't ignore, if you've noticed this, when you suddenly find yourself with the the sleeplessness feeling or this bodily feeling going up, right? You remember the operating system where I said, look, you've got this ignore, deny as part of the operating system. If you being mm-hmm. your purpose, you can't ignore your background conversation. That's probably one of the most dangerous things you can do is to ignore your background conversations. They've been around longer than anything else. Right from the days we were swinging in trees as trying to figure out is there a landing pad that's going to provide us with safety to jump out of the trees. So we've we've invented a whole vocabulary, and I think it's exciting that you picked what you picked today. Uh, how I survived another day. I think we've we've wrestled with this survival emotional machinery longer than is acceptable. So we have to sort of keep continually separating the background from foreground conversations. That is the ongoing source of our evolution. It's the source where we can actually not be held hostage by our background conversations. And it's not to suggest our background conversations are going to go away. It's not even to suggest our foreground conversations are any better. But as Jordan and I have said, you know, life's a sort of a teeter-totter, isn't it, Jordan? To pick up on what both of you are saying, the term survival, for many people, it's life or death. There's only A or B, black and white. Living life on your terms is a better way to survive, and I would then move that over to the word thrive (laughs) so that, you know, you've got enough. We all have enough on our plate just to get through the day. We know that. But you want to have that extra coating, that enamel, that plate of armor, if you will, so that you won't be punctured and deflated during the day. And I think that's what's happened to you, if I'm correct, and please correct me, through the uh, the thought process of the language for leading. Am I correct? You are. And I think it's tougher for me because I'm an empath. So I tend to yeah. absorb. And, and, and as you know, we spoke before we started recording, I, I did um, a number of radio shows on consumer advocacy. So what happened, the shows were about teaching people um, what to do in particular scenarios, like how to protect themselves or what they could do if they were ripped off. And, and, and the funny part, now I haven't done the show since 2019, but what happens is all of my friends, all of my family, everybody who knows me, whenever they have a consumer advocacy type problem, what do you think they do? They call you. They call me because they want to know how can they, how can 
they deal with a particular situation. And of course, I give my I'm not an attorney disclaimer, but I can tell I can help them resolve their issues typically without an attorney. And then if they need an attorney, I refer them. But that's what I do. Um, I had a friend recently, one of my close friends who um, basically got ripped off on a furniture purchase for $7,000 for furniture from North Carolina that was supposed to be made in the USA and it was made in China and it came in damaged and the delivery people left it there that they refused to take it. But I knew what she could do to do, you know, do the best to try and get her money back. So I, I tell her, look, you can try this, 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 and this. This is probably, if it happened to me, this is the order I would go. So it, it took a couple of months, but yes, she got all of her money back. So that's just an example. But I get this all the time. People go, how do I, how do I fix this? And since I am a helper type of person, you know, that's part of who I am as a person is to help others. Um, I don't really say no. There are probably times I should just say no, no, I've had oh, enough. Oh, I know what that feels like. I know exactly what that feels like. And Julian, I'd love you to jump in here and address it for yeah. both Laura and me. We're givers. We love to give. We love to help. We go out of our way. And, and for me, anyway, I don't want to speak for you, Lori. I'm afraid of you thinking less of me if I don't step up to the plate and help you in any regard. It's, it's that, bad. That's my... what you're saying, because survival somehow seems to do very well uh, and it's its own survival. It sort of exists between giving and taking. So you can't not give if you find satisfaction and value in giving. If you find satisfaction and rewards by taking, that's the way your life is going to function. But the givers, but let me just jump in here. But the people who are givers are, are the, the takers are attracted to the givers because all they want to do is take. They don't ever want to return. I'm not saying everybody. There are a lot of people, though, that they just take and they don't they don't ever, you know, return back with saying, how can I help you? You know, when I'm talking with someone and I'm trying, you know, in, in, in business, for example, it's it's not all about what can I offer you? It, it's, it's a two way street for me. How can I help yes. you help me? How can we help each other? And if you remember, I think in our first, probably our first conversation, I said to you, I feel like I'm trapped in a box. Do you remember what you said to me? Yeah, and I said something like, well, we're all somewhat trapped inside our own boxes. And the difficult thing, when we don't separate background, foreground conversations, uh, the trouble is that when we're locked inside a box, what we find is the instructions to get out are written on the outside. <laughs> right. That's exactly that. And I went, bingo. That's pure bingo. Julian That's right there. <laughs> right. I, I think like I have it all together. And, and like I said, I'm very organized. I've got my goals and I do things. But I still wasn't happy. And I couldn't figure out in my brain what's going on and that's where julian came in and kind of put the pieces together for me so you know julian i know you'll probably laugh because it is true but like i said earlier sometimes something will happen and i'll go wait wait i hear your voice julian saying wait it's a it's a racket it's a racket stop it or if i go to sleep at night my brain goes to the bad things you know i i kind of hear you telling me yeah. and that's that works for me if i kind of hear you as the authority telling me wait this is what you're doing wrong then it, it kind of stops me from having those thoughts you mentioned and, and the good for me. you good mentioned for me. the constant your moral constitution i've also worked on mine with the help of this man 
without a framework, without some kind of a base, we talked about the pyramid, the three-legged stool, without some kind of a base to support the way we live our lives, uh, it's, I think it's more difficult to survive. Your thoughts on that? Well, sure. yeah, because this constitution is, is just a word, and I'm not interested in the meaning of words. I'm interested in the etymology, what is behind the meanings and the definitions. So if we take the word constitution, of course, what I've built up is, and I've shared this with you, and you, each of you seen this for yourselves, it's realizing that there's a representation. If, for example, uh, Lao is a, a, a representation of who she's being in a constitutional relationship with her husband, right? Mm-hmm. Then, of course, you've got to make these three parts, the who, the one, the what, work. You can't just get away with one of them. So to answer your question, John, about understanding, yes, when you're being... And in my case, my mission is freedom of divine intervention. And now, what's your example of your stand in the world? So when we say that we're being a stand, it's as if that is actually underwritten and understood when one's purpose in life represents that stand. So in my case, it's freedom, a divine intervention. But I have to understand what is meant by that, the meaning, as in the purpose. What is it that that terminology that's a stand that's worth taking is represented in a relationship with my wife, my kids, and everybody else? So then I bring, to answer your question, John, is the, the bit that understands a way of representing ourselves comes with a reason to be, as a French would call it, the raison d'etre. In my case, when I'm being my stand as far as freedom, a divine intervention, who I'm being represents the experience other people have with me. And the experience mm-hmm. other people have with being, Julian, is passionate letting go, taking all conversations literally, and value is present in all dialogues with Julie. Those are my purpose elements. And then I've got evidence to show for it. Because if there's no evidence, then I've just exhausted a lot of wind that's come out of my lungs. So the what is the key part, together with the reason to be, that allows who I am to be understood, if that answers your question, Jordan. Let's get back to our guest, uh, Laurie. Uh, he does say a lot in that one statement. How does it work in your life these days? Well, I mean, for me, it's always been about doing the right thing. That's the big thing. Ju- I mean, justice, um, helping others. Uh, I, I think that I perceive myself the same way that others perceive me. And that does not always true for most people, who they think they are and how they're actually perceived by others can be two entirely different things. And so I try to live to that higher moral level because that's just, I I, I can't help, for me that's innate. Um, I just can't help being like that. I could never just not help someone. Uh, So, but at the same time, 
those are all nice things to say, but at the same time, I do believe in justice and doing the right thing. So in my life, you know, where I have issues are if people make promises and don't keep them, if, uh, you know, friends don't do the right thing. And I have had situations like that. And like I said, I've cut people out of my life like a cancer because they're toxic and they're just friends with me to get what they can out of me. I mean, I can think of a time I had a friend years ago. This was not like a long-term friend, but, you know, she would call me every day for advice on how to do every single thing in her life, couldn't make a single decision. I, I can't help you that. Mm. I can't help you with that. Um, the, the other issue I think I have for me is, you know, I, I'm smart. I don't walk around saying, Jordan, I'm smart. But the reason that I am smart is because I spend a tremendous amount of time reading. I spent many years ago a tremendous amount of time in sales. I'm interested in psychology. What is it that makes somebody tick? But that, I think, you know, doing the right thing, I think, is just how I am. How will you have known if you've done the right thing? People generally tell me if it's something that I've done to help somebody else. Um, you know, I will, they'll call me and say, thank you, you helped me solve this problem. Uh, so usually I know. What I don't so there'll be want, evidence for it. There'll be actual, specific, measurable evidence, won't there? Yeah, you know, I won't mention it here, but I, I had another business, and I'm going back into that business, uh, and it was a tough business. And when I went through the testimonials that I had kept over the years from previous clients, oh, my God, I was like in tears reading what people wrote to me because it really affected me in reopening. Uh, my husband and I are going to reopen the business but it, it, I went, wow, I just guess I, not that I don't know I have value. It's, you know, somebody sends you a nice um, letter or a testimonial or a phone call. But I had put them all together. You know, it was probably three or four sheets of testimonials. And in reading all of them at one time, I'm like, oh, my gosh, like these people are telling me how I changed their lives. And that's mm -hmm. basically what you do. It, it's, it's you help people change their lives. Well, in my capacity, in what I do is I help people change their lives. I don't always give myself enough credit for the positive. And as you know, I come from a Jewish family. Well, that's because you've, you've got a background conversation hangover. Well, I, I do. And like I said, I, I'm, I'm ethnically Jewish. I came from a family where everybody complains. And it's not just my family. I, I know plenty of other Jewish people. I, I love Jewish people. I'm Jewish. But... From that perspective, it's it's there's a lot of complaining going on. Now, I'm sure other other groups might say same thing, same thing, but you're almost inborn with uh, complaining, and so I would catch myself going, "Why why do I need to complain so much? Mm. Why is it that I'm not happy?" Well, I was brought up with people, you know, people who complained, and so I have to kind of step back and and working with you and go, "I don't I don't need to to do I don't need to complain." What good? My husband will say, why complain? It does no good anyway. And well, when you tolerate other people's background conversation, it's very difficult to be responsible. Is it not? It is. You remind me a lot of the person I'm married to in this regard, Lori. She holds herself to a very high standard and she's very respectful, but she expects others to follow through and do their very best. And as we all know, that doesn't happen <laughs> all the time. And because she holds herself to a high standard and expects that, there are some people who call her 
too critical or too direct or too straightforward. But that is how she's survived and thrived very successfully and love that about her. I find that to be appealing. And if and if people don't, well, that's their tough luck. <laughs> but am I right about that in assessing you as a human being, just getting to know you on this podcast? You hit the nail on the head. And, and you know, when I was a young kid growing up, I mean, I was bullied. I wasn't popular. I was into music, thank God, because that kind of got me out of the house. Bad, not a good family situation. Um, not well socialized, didn't have a lot of friends and, you know, nothing like I am now, very shy and introverted. And it took until I was about, my first real job was before I started college, I was about 17 and uh, I was working in sales and I don't know what happened, but I just, I don't know, it just clicked for me there. And I found that I really liked talking to people and it wasn't all about sales because sales is just a, for, a higher form of educate, you know, education, educating people. Uh, and that's sort of where I, I guess, I want to say grew up. That's where I grew up. You know, well, that's when your coping mechanism kicked in, La. What's that? That's when your coping mechanism kicked in. It, it did. And so at that point... Uh, I started realizing more of my self-worth and having self-esteem because I didn't have any growing up. Um, I kind of reversed it. So I know like from psychology, they'll say, well, you got to talk to your, your inner child and, and forgive yourself because there are things that have happened in my life where I have had a hard time not being able to forgive others for what they've done to me. People I've trusted, I haven't been able to forgive, but uh, a friend not too long ago said to me, the problem is you don't forgive yourself. And that went, that was a big one for me because that's exactly right. I did not forgive myself. Now I have, you know, forgiven myself. Those things happened. They were out of my control. And I was dealing in each situation with people that did not have, as Jordan said, my values, who were not respectful, who were deceitful, um, you know, who lied, cheated, who stole. Uh, and I don't that, – that's why I say the world has changed so much because it seems to me, Julian, that there are less people who are respectful nowadays uh, than there were years ago. You know, and unfortunately, I can relate a lot of that to social media because social media, as you know, can be used for good or bad. And a lot of it goes to that. And I have friends who have kids that are really well behaved because the parents are strict. They don't, they're not, I have uh, a friend who has uh, three boys. They don't have social media. They didn't get phones until they were like 17. They're limited on what they can do. They live in the parents' house. They follow the parents' rules. They're great parents. But there are a lot of people that don't do that. The kids are just there. I don't know why they even had kids. I'm thinking, you know, why some people have kids? Why to have kids? And then so what? You don't pay attention to your kids. You go, oh, hit the computer. We'll get you a computer. We'll get you uh, video games. You know, they don't socialize. They have no idea how to be in a social situation because the parents really aren't doing anything. They're just not doing anything. And then you have all these crazy people now, you know, fighting about, um, you know, in the schools now, there's a thing where, some of the teachers in certain school systems are teaching about transgenderism, certain pronouns, but they don't tell the parents. And so then the parents find out and then there's a whole big deal. So to me, it's like you went to school to learn. That was your purpose. You would get socialized. You might be, you know, on, a, on an athletic team, 
you were me, I was in the band, you had did have some social socialization there. But your purpose in school, that your parents should have already taught you moral values of respect the teacher. And I you don't see that much anymore. So, you know, that's why the world is as it is. Well, you've got a good example of the term constitution. You've just really uh, exploited that. We all exploit the term family. Family, to me, is the real centerpiece of the term constitution because you can't see your own life just based upon your own perspective. You've got to see from all the other family members that actually constitute the constitution. That's why it's right. such a, a vital use of the language right but if you have family members who do not match your constitution it, it's it's you know now that i'm older it, and I, a lot of my friends will agree with this statement is that you choose your family and it's not necessarily your blood relatives you know i have i have several girlfriends that i consider my sisters we might not be biological sisters but we have the same constitution we are always there for each other and a lot of times you can't depend on family you know, some family members, yes, I can depend on. Other ones, not dependable at all. So why do I want to maintain relationships, even if they're family, if if they're not going to match my constitution, if they don't have that respect, that honor, that trust, that integrity? I, I don't want to because, like I said, I'm an octopus with eight legs, and I don't need four of them being pulled by, you know, family members or or, or fake friends, as I would call them. Uh, you know, pulling on me at the same time. So I've had to kind of learn uh, from you that constitution conversation that we had. Well, yep, that made me cut off those two doctors because what was it doing? It was causing me anxiety every time I had to call there, you know, and I didn't want to have anxiety. I don't need any more anxiety if I already have medical issues. Why should a doctor of all people be causing me anxiety? So you know what? I did what you said. And now I have two better doctors um, spend much more time with me. Yeah. The other two doctors, the other two specialists got rid of them, didn't want any more anxiety. And I got, there's a USF has um, a medical center here. So they, what I like there is that they, all the doctors, they can access all of my records because when you go to different doctors, which are affiliated with different hospitals, they don't have all your records. And I literally used to carry all of my records around. Now I have a special medical alert bracelet that can be scanned with a QR code and, you know, they can see it. But why it's, you know, the doctors, I'll give you another example. So my husband had a, made a purchase on, on Amazon for some vitamins, but he checked off and this happened to me last year. You check off the box one time or you check off the box subscription monthly. Okay, so it had happened to me last year where they sent another and I said, nope, go back and look at my order. I only ordered one bottle of vitamins and they said, okay, don't worry, just keep it. Okay, now my I pick up from the uh, post office, I pick up the vitamins for my husband and I come back and he goes, you know, I've changed my mind uh, because they shouldn't have sent another thing. They had some type of incentive, try a bottle for free and it doesn't cost you anything, but they don't. Apparently, they don't have a large enough print, on the, you know, if you don't want to continue. But it was a one-time thing. And I'm listening. Okay, so you know me well enough at this point. I, I can be aggressive when I need to. But I'm listening to him on the phone. He's more 
uh, calm, which maybe is better. But I'm listening to the customer service lady literally scream at him through the phone. Uh, we're not giving you a refund. Uh, you know, we're not, 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 not. And then he was still calm. And she said, OK, we'll give you back 60 percent. And I said, hand me the phone because I, I this is a scammer and I, I know scammers. And so I got on, you know, got on the phone and I said, this is his wife. I go, the order specifically states it's a one time order. You went ahead and decided to just go ahead and ship out another order. I go, he you, he called you. I heard the phone call. You said, just pay the postage back and, you know, we'll, we'll refund your money. Well, on this phone call, he explained that to her. And when I jump on, um, this was probably the angriest phone call. I, I won't even tell you the words that I used, but this lady was a nutcase and she had probably had to deal with this all day long. But she's, she, you know, I said to her at this point, uh, shut the F up and get me a supervisor. And that's not something that I would normally do, but my limits were pushed. And then I, she wouldn't let me talk at all. Not at all. I am screaming on the phone, Julian. And I finally started saying, you are a scammer. If you do not get me uh, a customer service supervisor, now I'm going to pursue this many other ways. Uh, meaning, you know, I have contacts in, in with the TV stations, you know, having done public relations, right. um, you know, I have a group of people that are radio and podcast hosts. Uh, I know all the agencies you can report these companies to, uh, not that you want to go to court over something like this, but you know, she was saying, well, you, you know, you open the bottles and we have to destroy it. And I go, it was never, the package was never even opened. And so I, I had to act, I actually went into a rage and I have to go here going, Okay, Julian will go, no, 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 don't run that racket. So so Dan, I looked at Dan and I go, I'm passing you back the phone. You deal with it. And so in the end, uh, she finally agreed to refund all of the money, which he did get. And But I was unhappy with myself for reacting because I reacted that way, uh, dealing with a crazy person. And it didn't get me anywhere other than to make myself feel sicker for the rest of the day. Because I got so stressed over dealing with someone that's like that. Unfortunately, nowadays in customer service, the majority of companies are more like that. There are some companies that are great. They're a pleasure to deal with. I, when, when I get a company that, that, that does what they say, that should be the norm. But it's now the exception. The norm now is, is we're not going to give you your money back. We're going to make your life miserable. And most people are going to say, oh, you know, screw it. I'll just... I'll just keep it and I'll just pay it. But, you know, me coming from consumer advocacy, I, I, I can't do that. I just can't let that happen. Let me summarize what you just said in the last five minutes, if I may. Yeah. Okay. The summary of what you just said is you've begun to realize who the real you is, mm -hmm. not the supplement you, not the sort of you. And it's when the real you shows up, then we bring up another distinction you have been talking about, which is tolerance as a distinct from patience. Yes. When you're being true to yourself, the, when you're being true to the constitution that is a representation of you, then the real you won't tolerate all of these experiences that you've been expressing right now. You get the point? I do. And when the listeners are listening around the world, that's going beyond surviving because surviving is very, very subjective. If it's if it's been right for your survival has been run by uh, inappropriate conditions, 
whether those conditions are medical conditions, social conditions, financial conditions, economic, you understand how conditions need to be reorganized. I do. And I think about situations in my life that were not good. uh, But because I took the advice of people I trusted and respected and followed their advice, I ended up in a worst case scenario. So now I I don't do that anymore. You know what I'm saying? I have to think for myself. I might listen to what other people say. But if in my gut instinct and my 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 mind is going, mm, there's a red flag here, something's wrong, yes. that stops me to slow down and think about it. Um, I, I can tell you uh, a good trick my aunt taught me years ago uh, was if you, back before we had all the social media, if you weren't happy with what a company did, customer service wise, you would actually write a letter to the company. And so I would write a letter and just show it to her and she would go, oh, no, too many adjectives. Totally sounds nasty. They're never going to want to help you. you got to totally rewrite this letter. And over the years of doing that, it forced me to to think about it and say, hey, if I want someone to help me, I don't want they don't want to open a letter being cursed out because they're probably getting lots of other letters from people cursing them out. But if I can write a letter that just simply outlines without a lot of adjectives, the the situation, wh- how I want to resolve it, keep it short and sweet, uh, so that the person reading the letter is like, wow, this was a nice letter. I'm going to help this person out. I don't want to be one of those, you know, the other 99% who are going to write, hey, you screwed me over, and I'm never going to buy from your company, and I'm going to tell everybody. Why is that person going to help me? They're not going to want to help me. Most of social media, according to my records and the people I speak to, is a platform where people get to run their rackets. They get to allow their background conversations to get the better of them. And that's a good example of Mark Zuckerberg. He could be true to himself as regarding making appropriate relationships with members of the opposite sex. So he compromised that and came up with a, a magical sort of social coping mechanism called Facebook. And of course, he's attracting lots and lots of people. Now there are organizations all over the world now that are building up to, to enable people to get out of their own social media addictions. Right. And there people write things that they would never say in person, I don't think. If you were in person, right. You know, but on the internet, even though they may see your name, you're really still anonymous and you're probably halfway across the country. So they have no fear to just shoot out whatever crap is going to come out of their mouth. I'm sure you've heard, you know what a Karen is? Have you heard the term Karen? Yes. I don't know if you're, you know, when when someone's referred to as a Karen, it's basically a jerk. That's, that's the short end of it. A female, it's always a female, uh, usually a white, young female, middle-aged at the most. And yeah. English, we call them wankers, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) I won't say any more about that. Okay. <laughs> but yeah, social media, when used for good things, great. But when used for bad things or when people are, you know, you know, I have a Facebook group, a closed group for hosts. And so I have a set of rules. Like to get into my group, you have to answer three questions. And I expect you to honor those questions. And then when I introduce people, I'll say, please read the group description for more details. And surprisingly, most people in my group over the years have, because in the four and a half, five years I've had this group, I've had maybe four problems, four problem people who would post like 
they wouldn't post their shows. They would post their political opinion and go on a rant, which has absolutely nothing to do with the group. And some of the people I'm going to seriously tell you are nuts. And so, you know, I have a PR background. I understand crisis management. Do I want to waste my time arguing with a kook or do I just want to block and delete them? Game over. And that's, exactly. that's oh, you're going to spend the rest of your life trying to fix people's background conversations. It ain't going to happen. I can't do it. Right. So when they're angry, right, I can't fix anybody else. They have to come to their own realization, uh, you know, and the, but like I said, it's, you know, you've heard the term sheeple. There are a lot of sheeple out there. They follow, you know, think about advertising. In advertising, they use uh, for a lot of ads, follow the crowd. Like if you remember the old Dr. Pepper commercials, there would be a guy dancing and then all of a sudden more and more people would be add on and, you know, they'd all be holding their Dr. Pepper. It's like join the group. But join the group, I, I don't want to join the group. I want to be my own person making my own decisions. I don't need to be influenced by a group. I can be a team player, but just because, you know, like with kids, if, if one item of clothing from a certain department store, you know, like they're sneakers now, sneakers are ridiculously priced. So we were watching some show, you know, and I won't mention brands, but there, there was one brand they specifically mentioned. And these sneakers went up to like thousands of dollars. Are you, you got to be kidding me. If I were a millionaire, I would not buy a thousand dollar pair of sneakers with, with, you know, what, because some celebrity, you know, designed them that, that that's what people do. Right. Uh, right. Those like, I know who the Kardashians are. I, I have absolutely zero interest in, in anything like that. I don't want to watch things that are stupid and degrading Right. But yet the sheeple of this world are the followers of those people. Follow, follow the crowd, do what the crowd does, do what everybody else does. Right. The best I explain myself is if I'm part of a group, if I'm the hundredth person in a group and I know that the other 99 people are walking in the wrong direction, I will turn around and walk my way. I don't have to follow those other 99. Right. You all want to walk to your death or whatever it is. You all go because I know that I'm going the other way. But not, you know, type A people, I think, um, tend to think more like that. Right. Whereas right. type D, they're more in the free flow, you know, and they'll they'll do what others want. And they don't really think about themselves. Yeah, most that most commercials on TV, and I I do a lot of assess. Most commercials on TV, I call them class action lawsuits waiting to happen. Uh, yeah, yeah. Because they're speaking to the the stupidity of the large group mentality of the population. Right. That's what makes it very appealing. And but those are the people that are paying for the commercials. I mean, look, you know, uh, I'm not a, a huge football fan. I'm in Florida. We got the Bucks. You know, I, my husband got me interested in it because of Tom Brady, you know, who did some stuff that wasn't so great afterwards. But anyway, um, to buy tickets for uh, a Bucks game or for the playoffs or the Super Bowl, we're talking ridiculous amounts of money. Yet you have people who serve the public like, you know, fire people, you know, the police, teachers, public servants get paid next to nothing. And yet 
celebrities make millions and millions or billions of dollars. Um, and there are celebrities who, you know, obviously donate or have a good cause, but there are plenty that don't. So the system to me seems to be a bit backwards there in, in how it plays out. So, you know, young kids, they're going to go, Oh, I want to be like Michael Jordan or whoever it is they want to be like, well, great. But if you don't have honest people working with that child, maybe that child is never going to be uh, a Michael Jordan, but maybe the coach that the parents have hired saying, oh, yeah, yeah, he could be because you're going to keep paying me and I'm going to do the best I can to make him into Michael Jordan. But when the kid is doesn't have the talent to do that, you know, I mean, for me, I'm a musician. Uh, I write music, but I'm not a performance major. I will never be a performance major. I'm too uncomfortable doing it. Uh, you know, I've taught that for me is a lot of fun, but I know I recognize my own skills. I also recognize my own weaknesses. If I could sing, that would be my dream, but I'm not a great singer. So why would I pursue singing as a career if I already know I'm not a great singer? It wouldn't make any sense. And now that is how kids are growing up. Uh, you know, you remember back a few years and I'm probably sure there are teams that still do it where when all the kids compete, they all get a trophy. What? what? They all get a trophy for, particip- for participating? No, no, no. There's a reason for competition to see who is the best. Uh, but again, who is the best is based on who is judging them. So, you know, it's not always a fair system. But when you give everybody a reward, what are you telling them? Responsibility is a different game plan. It's an ability to respond, as you've just expressed, Lau, all the different states of conditions of which we're not necessarily agreeable with. So the audience's response is be able to how they will respond rather than just hearing this as a a bunch of information. There's an old saying, I think it was think, think before you speak. Or think before you act. Most people aren't, you know, if I, if I'm angry at you, not, well, I I can't use you because you're, you're the opposite, but with most people, if you're angry at somebody and you say something to them angry, what do they do? Do they stop and think before they speak? No, they tend to mudsling back or attack you back rather than take the criticism. Now, of course, if I'm, if I'm angry at somebody, I try to do the criticism in a positive way, in a helpful way, in a a way that instead of putting them down says, well, did you ever think about trying this, swinging it around, pivoting it to doing something better rather than just reacting to um, what I just said. And they don't stop and think. So like I was using the example earlier with my aunt with the letters, you know, the other thing I would do with that when I would change it was I would always wait one or two days before I mailed it. Because if you wait a day or two and you reread your letter, you may now, since you're calmer, see it in a different light and think about how the person who's receiving it is going to act. In today's world, it's don't press send without taking a beat. (laughs) I I mean, I think for me, surviving another day had to do a lot with what I learned from you as far as the background conversations and and realizing I'm running my own racket. I'll hear Julie go, I'm running my own racket. Stop. Think about everything that I've learned and now try to use the the, the tools you've given me to to 
think rationally about it before I, I don't want to react. Like you said, I want to be responsible in what I'm saying. Yes. And then, then from there you can move forward. So you have to stop. I think we've learned a lot of good survival techniques from you today, Lori. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate it. Well, that was quite the spirited discussion. We thank our thought leader, Lori, a.k.a. Lore, a professional networker, public relations expert, and the host of several national syndicated consumer advocacy and variety shows, helping people and teaching people, and living a life of truth and responsibility as she and hopefully the rest of us survive another day. The conversation continues on the Language for Leading podcast with Julian Sturt, available on all podcast platforms. Remember to subscribe, download, rate, and review the show. And tell your friends and colleagues about it. The Language for Leading podcast, impactful conversation about fundamental principles that will grow your business and change your life for the better.